On today's show, a special interview with one of our member contractors. Today we have EGIA's very own Mr. Scott Deming on the show to interview Patrick Lane. They're going to dive into some specifics regarding Patrick's business and how he has become so successful in our industry. Take it away, Scott. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the official interview series of Contractor University, powered by EGIA. I'm your host, Scott Deming. Very happy to be with you today. Now, we've got a little different program. Typically, in the past, we've had contractors talking to other contractors and, uh, you know, giving tips and advice and tricks and those types of things to help us all move the needle. Well, today, we actually have an authorized supplier and business partner of EGIA to talk to you about some things that I know are going to be of uh, great interest to you. So let's bring the gentleman in. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Patrick Lane of the Business Modification Group. Patrick, how are you doing, my friend? I'm fantastic, Scott. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm, I, you know, you and I have spent a few different times talking, uh, prepping for this. We we met at the uh, at Epic. You introduced me for my breakout and it was an awesome introduction and you had a lot of fun with it and also gave a little bit of information. Out of that, out of understanding really what you do, uh, we we got very interested in having you on this show. So why don't, I'm going to let you take it away. Just kind of go through and talk about what the business modification group is, what they do, and why you think some of the uh, the contractors watching today would be interested in hearing from you. Absolutely, absolutely. So I am a business broker that specializes in the sale of acquisition of heating and air, plumbing, and electrical companies. The bulk of what I do is primarily in the heating and air space, but we do do plumbing and electrical as well. And so with all of the activity taking place and uh, talk going around on consolidation, um, we thought it might be a good idea to come on and, and talk a little bit about what I do and, and how I help people, but more importantly, what's in it for them? What should they be focusing on and uh, what are buyers looking for in this kind of crazy market that we've had the last couple of years? So, Patrick, um, if you could take us chronologically through, you know, not you don't have to talk about the history of the company. You just, you just gave a very brief introduction. But really talk about uh, what this organization of yours does and how you apply it to contractors, because I know you said you've done you've done it for other industries as well. But uh, talk a little bit now about your your company's kind of philosophy, how you take other companies through uh, maybe if they want to sell, if they want to consolidate, whatever that is. Can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. It may be, may be helpful to kind of give a little bit more of my history. So yeah. I've been a business broker for a number of years, selling everything, bars, restaurants, gas stations, convenience stores. For years, I've sold it. About uh, eight years ago, I actually bought one of my listings, which was a heating and air company. Ran it for two years. And when I went to go sell it, I, I couldn't find somebody that could help me. Now, I wasn't a five thirty million dollar company. I was a smaller company doing a little over a million dollars in sales, and, and I couldn't find any good information on it. So at that point, I decided to kind of shift the focus of my practice. I was still doing business, broking people selling businesses, but once again, I was selling everything. I decided to focus specifically on heating and air. And so at that time, uh, I instead of actually selling my company, my son actually bought my company, still runs it today. My office is in his building. So I'm around the trades all day, every day and really began to focus on just selling, uh, once again, plumbing, heating and air, uh, and electrical companies. And over the last six years, we've sold about 20 a year. 
So what I do is I help people in two different phases of the transition. So I have some people who come to me and say, hey, I want to sell my business five or 10 years from now. What should I focus on doing? And so I help them give them some advice of some things that I think they would focus on. And then we kind of monitor it along the way. The second part is people come to me and say, hey, I'm done. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to move on to something else. So we value their business and then put a plan in place to confidentially go to the market and solicit buyers who would be a good person to take over that business. Patrick, you just said something that I actually wasn't aware of uh, from all of our conversations. So you do kind of like a almost an estate pre-planning program for for individuals. If, like you said, if they're if they're still too young to retire, but they know one day they want to sell, you've got you've got a program where you can help them kind of plan for that retirement and that sale. Correct? Absolutely. And so that's what I have found is the biggest problem most people face is they don't know where to go to an- to get answers. They don't know who to talk to about better ways to grow their business. And often the person they're talking to is the one who wants to buy their company. So they're kind of in a bad position to be taking advice from the person who's wanting to write them a check and make the check as small as it could possibly be. So absolutely, I, I think too many people, two things, that part, the, they, they get advice from buyers. But the second part is, unfortunately, I have many conversations with people and I tell them that what they've spent the last 30 years building doesn't have value or doesn't have much value. It's a horrible conversation to be sitting at someone's kitchen table and having. And so I try to spread as much information as I can for that contractor that says, I don't know what people are looking for. I don't know what my business is worth. And so I help them say, here's what it's worth today. And if you continue doing it, here's what it's going to be worth in the future. If you make these few changes, Here's what it could be worth. So absolutely, we do pre-planning to help them maximize the value, whether it's one year, five years, 10 years down the road. Yeah. And and valuing uh, an organization, no matter what the industry is, is, a very difficult thing. And one of the one of the the real benefits to what you do, as far as I can see, and I think this is just pretty obvious, as you said, if you're talking to the wrong person, you're going to get the wrong information. You're going to get possibly information biased towards you know the benefiting them. But you're like, uh, you know, I and you and I have talked about this. I used to own an advertising agency for 20 years, and we worked with big companies. In fact, one of the one of the companies we worked with for 13 years was Carrier. We ran all their distributor and dealer advertising across the country, and. W- a lot of people can do their own advertising. They can call the, the media reps themselves. They can do all this stuff. A, they shouldn't because they don't have the time. And B, they shouldn't because they're not experts in this. You know, I used to always say, you'll never meet the number two radio station in your market because they all have a way to show you that they're number one for you. You know, this is the number one station you should be buying. See, we, we took that information, broke it down and said, look, here is an unbiased, best for your money. Uh, recommendation for how you should be spending your ad dollars. When you and I were talking, I really correlated what you do to that because you're you're looking at this from a very a very unbiased uh, perspective. You're doing this to make sure that they get the most out of their money, uh, most out of their sale, but also you find the pitfalls that they probably wouldn't find if you weren't in the picture. Correct? Absolutely. The- so the reality is most people have never sold a business. Most yeah. Keating and Air owners run their business for the majority of their lives, and they've never sold the business. Right. Second part of that is for most of them, it's the biggest sale of their lifetime. 
and, and they don't know where to go for answers because nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to tell their, you know, their friend how much money they're making or not making. You know, it's, it becomes bragging rights and embarrassing all at the same time. And, and back to kind of your initial point, if you go to your barber and ask them if you need a haircut, they're always going to say yes. You know, at the end of the day, that's the business they're in. Well, if you have a buyer that comes to you, they're going to tell you a value of the business and it's going to be in their favor. So yeah. my suggestion, whether it's me or somebody else, is know what that value is and why. So that when you, whenever you go to market, next week, next month, 10 years from now, you have an idea because most people don't have a clue. Because once again, they don't do it all day long. They, I wouldn't expect them to have a clue. Patrick, if somebody, if you started working with someone and they said, look, we don't know if we're going to sell, we don't know what we're going to do. Um, how do you, is there some sort of a consulting fee to get them rolling? If you do a pre-planning program, uh, how do you work with them and how often can they call you? And, and the reason I'm asking this is because my my guy who has been handling my, uh, you know, my investments for many, many years, I call him my marriage counselor. Whenever I'm having questions about the market, I call him up. He'll pick up the phone. If he doesn't, he calls me right back. And I said, Mike, talk me off the ledge. Talk me off the ledge. And then when we're all done after a 20, 30 minute conversation, I always say to him, Mike, Thank you. You again saved my marriage. You saved my life. And it's and I say that jokingly. He's not my marriage, but he's this guy that I can count on to answer questions as questions arise. How do you work for if 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 I'm a contractor and I say, yeah, I want to sell in ten years. How does that work? You obviously can't work for free, so you got to be setting something up, correct? Yeah, I, I don't. I work for free. In that case, I I really it's a passion of mine. Um, mm. You know, I have two parts of business and. I learned a long time ago, somebody had said, if you have a mind of a capitalist and the heart of a social worker, you'll be very successful in business. Yep. And, and that's something that I'm very passionate about. I sold my very first business, whew, it's probably been 18 years ago, 19 years ago. It, emotionally, it was the hardest decision of my life. It was yeah. a big deal. And obviously, you've done it. Yep. When you walk away from everything you've known and who you're known as, that's an incredibly hard decision. And I didn't know where to go. I was fortunate. It turned out well for me. It could have turned out very bad. I took a lot of risk I shouldn't have been taking. I probably, I know I took less money than I could have gotten by selling to somebody else. And, and nobody ever tells you, here's the person to go call. So I spend all my time at events like AEGIA and other events at Epic that, that you and I initially met at talking to people saying, here's where the information is. I write articles for all the industry publications. I yeah. do as many podcasts as I can because nobody knows where to go. And once again, they spend their entire life building something that when you sit across the table enough times and you say, I'm sorry, it doesn't have any value. That's an incredibly horrible conversation to have. It just, it rips your heart out. And so that's the part of my business that I want to give back. And here's the selfish part. My goal is if I give you advice for the next five years, when it's time to sell, you're going to use me. Absolutely. And so is there a risk there that you may use somebody else? Sure, there is. But at the end of the day, it's elevating the entire industry and it's helping somebody out. And I believe that'll come back to me. I believe there's probably a very, very, very small risk when it when you approach it the way you do. You're building relationships, you're building trust. And then at the end of the day, unless this person is just not a very good person, they're going to go with, with the person who helped them through these years to really set this thing up. Patrick, talk to us about like the process. Uh, you know, like I know that you've got this thing called build to sell. Um, if you could take us through the process of how not only you do this, but what 
contractors should be looking for and how this whole thing kind of works. And just give some advice. If I'm a contractor, you know, people are watching and there are some contractors watching who probably are in a position where they want to sell either right now or in a few years. So talk to us about that if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of two separate things there. The first part, the process of working directly with me or somebody like me, what I do is have you provide me some information, financial data, information about your business. What's the breakdown of commercial versus residential, service versus repair, construction component, all those types of things. And so we go through that and put a value on the business using comp data. Uh, what has what sales been recently for a company your size in your area of your product mix? And so we determine that first. The second part of the question you just mentioned is what should they be doing? And that's the building a business to sell portion. And, and really, there's four key things that I preach from every soapbox I have an opportunity to get on. And, and what are four things that you could start focusing on today that will have a long-term impact on the profitability of your business, not only for you, but more importantly, for me, my perspective, when it's time to sell? What are buyers looking for? And those kind of four things are, number one, a business built on service and repair. Buyers love maintenance agreements. It makes them feel all warm and fuzzy that you're focusing on working with that customer. I could I could spend the next hour talking about why I believe in maintenance agreements and how they could be good for your business, but but the reality is buyers love them. It, is what we're here to talk about now is selling your business and and buyers love maintenance agreements. The second thing to focus on is getting yourself out of the van. Um, and many times when I get to businesses that are that are stuck kind of at that million dollar or less level it's because the owner won't get themselves out of the van. They only can, you only can fix so many air conditioners in a day if you're the one doing all the work. Second part of that is, is if that's the case, no buyer calls to me and says, hey, I want to work real hard. I want to work 15 hours a day in the heat, and then I want to go home and do paperwork at night for four hours. So if you're the best technician, the best installer, the best CSR you have at your company, and you're the best accounting person in your office, then typically you don't have a business. You have a very high paying job. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying no buyer calls me looking to work real hard. They're looking for businesses. And so getting yourself out of the van opens you up to more buyers, increases profitability of your business and allows for more growth. The third thing is cleaning up your books and records. Oftentimes that we have been taught as business owners, and I've been self-employed since I was 22 years old, minimize taxes, minimize taxes, minimize taxes. Well, if a buyer can't prove it, they won't pay you for it. And so as you're looking at minimizing taxes, don't be so creative in your accounting that a buyer can't find out how much money you're making. The easier it is to give somebody a tax return and say, here's what my sales are and here's what my business makes, the easier it is for us to get a higher multiple. The fourth thing is staying away from new construction. Now, I know I'm probably making people mad who are watching this, that new construction and are profitable with it. I'm not at all saying that it's not profitable. I'm not the guy that says new construction is bad. I'm the guy that says if you want to maximize value, new construction is not the way to do it when it comes time to sell. Buyers are scared to death of new construction, oftentimes for good reasons. Many General contractors that you work for are not loyal, 
And if they are loyal, they're loyal to you. And the minute you walk out that door, the loyalty leads with you. So that scares them as well. So focus on those four things and you absolutely incre increase the amount of money you're able to sell your business for. Patrick, you said something that kind of threw me way back uh, in time. I was pretty much on the ground floor of ARS when they started buying companies. And I'd worked with uh, a couple of the the founders when I was doing work for Carrier. They had, Gordon Timmons was one. He had a, several uh, locations with his contracting business in South Carolina. And he called me and he said, we want you to run our all of our marketing and advertising and dealer acquisition, branding and all that. And one of the things that I did that I did learn going through this process was this: um, ARS had a a certain kind of a process in place where the owners had to stick around for a certain number of years. You know, they had this non-compete; it had to be there for two years. But one of the things that they didn't do that I started recommending they do is to make sure that if you are transitioning out, that you, as the owner, the brand, the face that everybody knows. You never go out alone again on a call. You, if you, because I'm, I have a question for you, and, I, and I'll get to this. If you're going to go out on a call, if you're going to meet somebody, if you're going to do something in the community, you do it with that new face to make that new face part of the existing brand. How scared? How scared are buyers losing all that brand equity that has been built for 20, 30, 40 years in a community? I mean, that's got to be part of it, isn't it? I mean, because sometimes when you buy a business, if the owner leaves, you're pretty much buying a mailing list. I mean, you know, so what's what do they do to keep that confidence in place as they're talking to a buyer about buying my business? Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it depends on a few factors. Great points. And that, that's certainly a great idea of having somebody going with you. It kind of separates just you from the business. That's a great idea. Um, it, it depends a lot on the size of the company. You know, if it's a smaller company, company doing a million dollars a year, and once again, you're the technician who shows up on every call. If your your company, if your name's Jim and it's Jim's heating and cooling, and Jim answers the phone and Jim shows up on every call, there's no separation to that. Right. And so it's hard to sell, almost impossible to sell. But if you've grown the business and and Back to the maintenance agreements, if, if your technicians and it's not you consistently in that customer's home two times a year doing these maintenances, providing the value, acting as the face of the company, then the risk is not as great to the buyer and the buyer knows that. Sometimes they minimize that risk by asking the seller to stick around. Some of it has already been minimized by the seller putting layers of management in place. I have some companies that are 20 years old and, and the seller, the owner itself, hasn't been on a service call in 15 years. Mm. Customers don't have a clue who they are. They're not the face of the company. They're not on the advertisements. They're not on every billboard. So the customer doesn't even know who they are. So right. in that standpoint, the, the concern of a buyer is making sure the employees don't leave. So that instead of being worried about the customers leaving because the owner leaves, they're worried about the employees leaving. And so they put systems in place to protect themselves against that. And, and the owner sticking around for a per period of time is sometimes that answer. But it depends on what you've built. And that's back to getting yourself out of the van, building a business, service and repair, all those things we talk about, they all, they all build that confidence for that buyer when they come in to buy. Yeah, that's, you know, and it's, I just did a podcast for another company. I was one of the guests. We talked about internal and external uh, customer experience, customer service. 
and how important it is to make sure that if you're making any changes in a company, and we're all going through changes on a daily basis, and we have to adapt. You've got to have a solid employee base. You've got to have a group of people that believe in this company, the, 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 the mission behind everything they're doing. And if they do, and if the owners are getting ready, would you recommend that if they're thinking about selling in a few years, that they really start laying that groundwork to make sure that there wouldn't be this mass exodus once the company sold? Absolutely. One, because it's the right thing for the employees. Right. Two, it's the right thing. It's the right thing for the new owner. I and mean, you don't right. want to sell a company and watch it fail. This is your legacy they're taking over. And and I would hope that every seller wants it to continue to be successful and everybody be successful. The other part of that is is those employees who work for you. Employees run because they're scared. And and quite often the reality is for most employees, they have more our owner, because that new owner needs them more. The existing owner knows who can do what job, who can be replaced, who they can slide over if somebody doesn't show up. For that new owner, they come in and they don't know anybody there. They don't know who can do what, who does what well. So really, they need those employees yeah, yeah, more absolutely. than the seller does. And so the what happens is the employees, and I understand it. Nobody, the only thing that likes change is the baby in wet diapers. I've heard that multiple times, and I, so I think. You know, for the employee is for them it's scary. Their owner's gone yeah. and now what? But the reality is in most cases they're driving the same van, going to the same customer's house, using the same equipment. Everybody's there, just the person writing the check is different. So what my advice is for sellers it, when they're talking to their employees after they announce a sale is just say, give them some time. You don't have to stay here for the rest of your life, but don't run. There's no reason. It's the same customers, the same name, the same everything. Give them a chance. And oftentimes it's more opportunity. You know, you hear a lot of talk about the consolidation and how bad it can be. But for some people, it's incredible opportunities that right now, the best, the, like at my son's business, use that as an example. The best an employee can do is underneath my son. They can never go any higher. That's the best they can do is underneath him in a small company. Well, with some of these larger companies buying it out. They can be a regional manager, or a general manager, or a service manager, or an operations manager across the country. So there can be a huge opportunity for those employees in the right scenario. And, and oftentimes it's a gift when you sell your business to somebody else. And so educating people on that is, is a key to it. But, but, but walking them through the process and letting them know that you're still going to be there with them is helpful as well. You know, Patrick, we uh, we don't have a whole lot of time here, and you just spent uh, some really great time talking about something that that I I'm thrilled that you covered, and it's the emotional aspect of buying and selling a business. You know, you can you can sit down for a couple of hours with a contractor and go through the details and all the tactical things that go along with it, but the the thing for everybody to remember is that. This is an this is this is like having a child, like sending your kid off to college, like losing a loved one. And so to be, have somebody like you that has the experience to be able to manage those emotions, answer those questions and help them make a really informed and feel good decision when they are ready. I think, it, you know, in addition to the, the four points that you talked about me, the takeaway was you're the kind of guy that I would want to be able to sit down and, and again, I jokingly say this, but talk me off the ledge, 
save me, help me. Uh, but you know what? You know very well that people have those emotions when they're thinking about doing something as great as selling their company that they've been involved in. And, and it's made, most of them started many, many years ago. So uh, again, I think that's the takeaway for me. And, uh, you know, in addition to your incredible sound advice, the ability to have somebody like you with a, with a level head uh, to talk them through some of these things, I think is, is just critical. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I, I had this conversation this morning with one of my sellers, you know, the, the easy part is the dollars and cents. Yeah. It either makes sense or it doesn't mathematically you need to know what the check needs to say for you. And it either says that or it doesn't. So that's, that's an easy thing to accept and potentially fix. It's everything else that goes into the deal, the emotional yeah. part, what you're walking away from, who's taking over your legacy. What's that going to be like? Many of my sellers live in the same town, go to the same church, shop at the same grocery store after the sale. They want to hold their head up and know that they sold it to the right, the right person. So you're hundred yeah. percent accurate. And I'm, I'm glad you caught that because that really is the hard part of the sale is everything else aside from the dollars and cents. Yeah, it, it is. And, and again, to have somebody like you who's been through it uh, multiple times to be able to take them through the process, you know, when you're not sure that of, of even just the smallest details uh, that, that will drive you crazy. That will keep you up. And knowing that you've got somebody like you who can help them with their employee morale and, and the employee retention and, and the, you know, post post sellers remorse is what, what I used to call it when the ARS <laughs> folks were selling, uh, you know, that is something that people go through. So to have, uh, again, a, a guy like you that can help them through that, I think is critical, but Patrick, uh, this was really not just informative, but so enjoyable. Uh, you're a great guy and you, you seem to have such a wealth of knowledge. And I'm, I'm really hoping that if anybody is thinking about selling their business that you You'll be the first person they contact. Why don't you, by the way, while we've got you on here, do you have contact information you want to tell them? Yeah, absolutely. You can certainly visit my website, businessmodificationgroup.com. I'm extremely active on Facebook, LinkedIn. I've got a YouTube channel where I probably have 50 or 60 videos that talk about little tips of things to look for wow. when buying. And so uh, visit me on YouTube, reach out to me directly, give me a call, anything. My number's everywhere. Uh, certainly feel free to reach out to me. I'd love an opportunity to help any way I can. That's awesome. And it is business modification group. I'm saying that slowly so that people don't say, I couldn't understand what you said. Business modification group. Patrick, don't go away. I'm going to sign us off, but I'm going to uh, say goodbye to the folks and I'll be right back. Again, thanks for your time, Patrick. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, my friends, that was Patrick Lane from Business Modification Group, and that was an incredible conversation. If you are even slightly considering selling your organization, uh, you, this is the guy to call. I've talked with him multiple, multiple times, and he is just he's a, a wealth of knowledge. And I think that you really need to, to get in touch with him if you're thinking about it. So again, thank you so much for watching. Uh, my name is Scott Deming. On behalf of uh, EGIA, this is Contractor University's Cracking the Code, powered by EGIA. Until next time, bye-bye. Awesome content right there, as always. Be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, giving you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. We'll see you soon. Until then, bye-bye for now.